back once again to the Wednesday Morning Surf Report, the podcast that answers tomorrow's questions today. I am one half of your hosts. My name is Rick Larson. With me, as always, is my illustrious other host, Jeff Cardello. Jeff, how's uh, how's things going? Uh, things are going great. Good to hear. Good <laughs> to hear. All the things? Uh, 99.8% oh, of the things. That's, that's, a pretty, uh, that's a pretty good... Uh, a pretty good total. The things that I have control over. Yeah. The things that I don't have control over are going horribly. Well, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Just look at the news. No matter when this comes out, I can just say, just look at the news, and there will always be something terrible happening. So, it's a good... Uh, good note to good, start good, out on. Good here. fallback that, yeah, the world is always horrible. Just fly that flag at half-mast But you know what? You know what's not horrible? <laughs> this our, podcast. This podcast. And yes. our guests. And our guests. We have some guests. And um, intentionally this week, I got guests that have the same name as each other. <laughs> they also look kind of similar. Yeah. In a, in a, in a you just sort went of through the phone book and you're like, yep. okay. Yep. I, uh, I couldn't get... Uh, triple A plumbing, but I was able to get uh, some improvisers for us. Uh, say hello to... Uh, should we do one at a time? Let's do one at a time, All right. so, so the listeners don't get confused. Okay, so the first one is John Palmer. <laughs> uh, the Elder. We'll go with that. So, hello. Hey, uh, what's one fact, John, that you'd like the world to know about you? Uh, I was born in 1962. Oh, okay. Good year. Good year. Good year. Yeah. It's a great start. Yeah. It's okay. It puts important information at the top. So. Yeah. yeah. Okay, we now have established John Palmer, number one, yeah. as being born in 1962. So he is slightly older than the Marvel Universe. Wow. Yeah. Like a year or two. So. Okay. <laughs> All the Fantastic Four and Spider-Man and all that. I think they were 63. So there you go. Does that make me pre-hip, pre-cool? Yeah, yeah. You were into them before before they were cool. Okay. Or something, yeah. And uh, let's meet our other guest. Also, John Palmer. I am the second of the John Palmers to have ever existed, presumably. Oh, yeah. And uh, what's the fact you'd like the world to know about you? Uh, when I was seven or eight, I ate brown paint, and I thought I was going to die for a little bit, but rather than tell my parents, I just accepted that I might die. Yeah, yeah. Nice. They would have found out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, first I brushed my teeth, and then I went outside and sat on the swing set and waited for death, as a seven-year-old should no. do. Yeah. yeah was it a lead-based paint? I... I don't think it was. I think it was. I think it was bare. I want to say. Okay. So okay. you just I took like a bowl of it and a spoon and. Um. Or no. How, how did you come to eat? <laughs> um. A lid, like you know how when you open a can of paint, yeah. the lid has like paint left on it. Yeah. It was brown paint and delicious chocolate. Yeah. And looked no, like exactly. chocolate pudding on a on a silver plate. That, I know. that is exactly what I thought when I just. 
licked it. It was yeah. the same shade they use on park benches and the like inside national parks because it was for the front porch of our house. Oh, okay. okay. And, and for the listeners at home, I just want to say that John Palm, both John Palmers are related to each other. <laughs> yes. With the younger John Palmer being the son of the elder John Palmer. It's a very, a very simple thing that I just made yeah. way too complicated. But we will, we will post a diagram, a flowchart, yes. if, uh, if need be. Well, uh, in the show notes of this episode. Um, I don't know that I ever ate paint, but um, I did, when I was about 11, drive a jet ski up onto the land. And it was a small little island. I probably could have kept going, but I figured out at that moment how to turn it off right when I was on the on the top of the little hill that was sticking out of the water and there were a couple people there fishing who came over to laugh at me. Were, were you being pursued by uh, frogmen with <laughs> uh, spear guns? Oh, don't I wish. Okay. Um, actually, all that what happened was I was getting, a, getting the, the tutorial for like turn this thing to throttle and here's your brake and here just try it and give it some throttle and I did and I took off and I didn't hear any of the rest of the story because I took off and they couldn't come and get me because I was the one on the jet ski so you should always open your driving lessons with how to brake rather than how to accelerate I, I agree I agree yeah. here's how here's how to stop here's how to jump out if you're if you're about to die so, yeah, speaking of hitting the throttle, let's hit the throttle on these questions. Yes, yes. Uh, John, let's have you choose our question, read it to the audience, and then we will give a uh, authoritative and complete answer. What is the deal with kittens? What is the deal with kittens? All right. Yeah. Some people are for kittens. Some people are against. Uh... Yeah. yeah. Okay. I don't think anyone's against kittens. I think some people are against cats. Yeah. I don't know anyone who dislikes kittens. It's always that they don't like cats. Yeah, I've never known anybody that dislikes kittens. So, I think the answer to this question is, how do we keep them that way? How do we keep them kittens forever? Oh, like maybe make them drink coffee? Okay. Or brown or paint. Growth. Or brown paint. Or brown paint. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm oh. not sure that the kittens would have a sense of their own mortality, though. Mr. Whiskers has to yeah. smoke a pack of cigarettes a day so he doesn't get any bigger. Once yeah. he gets bigger, we get rid of him. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess we should poll everyone here, like... Are you guys specifically dog people or specifically cat people? Then we can figure out our angle. Well, I was a cat person for a while, but then the neighbor took it because they didn't like the way I was, you know, raising the cat. They wanted... Oh. So, I'm, yeah, I guess I'm a dog person. Oh. Are you going to tell the story were about you, how you punted a cat once, or are we just going to... Raising the cat as I a dog. never, ever punted a cat. <laughs> okay. A chihuahua, yes, but never a cat. You, on uh, a frozen lake? No, 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 no I okay. just kind of slid him. Okay. 
Yeah, go Cats ahead. tend to, to slide on uh, a frozen surface, so. Yeah. Much like a hockey puck. When I was a teenager, um, at my parents' house, um, leaving the living room, there's a hallway that leads down to where all the bedrooms are, and um, I was prone to staying up later than I was supposed to, and so um, the cat was with me, laying on me while I was up watching TV till like two or three o'clock in the morning. And I turned off all the lights to sneak back to the back of the house and not wake anybody up. And I uh, was holding the cat up to my chest and complete darkness. I missed the hallway by about three feet to the right and walked straight into a wall with the cat in between me. And the cat did not approve of this. <laughs> and scratched me and clawed its way up over my shoulder. And, uh, you know, that was, that was a low point in our relationship, our man and cat relationship. Let me uh, throw this question out there. Animals, whether a cat or a dog, is it permissible to let them sleep on your bed with you? Another controversial topic. Oh, yeah. Permissible. Um, saying permissible implies that I have any degree of control over it. <laughs> I just wake up some mornings and there's a dog at the foot of my bed. And I usually notice the dog is there because when uh -huh. I get up, I, I swing my legs to the left of the bed and the dog happens to sleep on the left of the bed. So I accidentally knocked them onto the floor, and that's how I learned that the dog was sleeping in the All bed. All I have to do is close the window. Well, Steve the Pitbull, <laughs> I invite him up on the bed during the winter months when it's cooler out, and I don't want to run the uh, the heat. So oh, yeah. so it's a, practi a practical Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. Steve's a warm dog, and he's, he, he's very friendly, and he can jump up on the bed. The dog before that... She would only come on the bed if you picked her up and put her there. She was really, really old. But, uh... Yeah. This dog, by the way, not friendly to me, his son. Friendly to him, not to me. Huh, why, why is that? No idea. Um, from the day we got the pit bull, just if I go near him while my dad is in the house, the pit bull will start growling at me. And no. it's not, it's not because he, like, pit bulls are aggressive dogs. I... You know, that's, that seems like it would be the obvious answer, but no. He just doesn't like me. But when my family's not in the house, he's super nice to me, wants to sleep on my bed, wants to be friends with me. Mm. It's just when my dad's, like, there that he's aggressive. He's, he's protective. Yeah, but he growls when he's really, really excited, like, charged up, and he wants he wants loving. He, he, he's very guttural, and, and he's, he's a, almost a talking dog. He oinks. Like he makes he makes oh, nice. pig noises nice. more than dog noises. Like he snuffles and stuff. Yeah. It's bizarre. Um, I have a fear of dogs. I was actually at a coffee shop on Sunday, and I was walking to my car, and there was a stray pit bull wandering around, and like a crazy person, I I did this like diagonal walk like around the block to get back to my car and I saw two people who were who were interacting with the dog and petting it and looking at its um, ID but for me I'm like no it it would have it wanted to kill me so I think 
that that sounds sort of like you know after the fact it's a little bit embarrassing. I think I have a dog story that's just a little bit more, um, I guess, embarrassing to me. Oh, go ahead, up the ante, son. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, I'm not trying to be like. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. okay. This is what the this, this is what this, this podcast is this for. This better yeah. be good. This doesn't make me look good, just so you know. Double down. <laughs> I um. I jogged because for a lot of my life I was a fat kid and no longer want to be a fat kid. And I had to divert my jog a week ago because in the middle of the night I was running down the road and suddenly I was being chased by four chihuahuas without leashes. <laughs> I had to turn around and run and go a different direction. And then when I got home I was relating that story to um, a friend of the family, Andrew. And he, paused, he stopped me in the middle of my story and he said, you know, no matter how you spin this, this story ends with you running away from chihuahuas. So really, <laughs> you don't, there's, no, there's no way that you can justify that. But, but doesn't four chihuahuas equal one angry German shepherd in the, in the mathematics of dogs? Four pints in a court. Maybe eight. Well, I don't know. My feeling, you'd have to have a dozen at least. <laughs> it wasn't a matter of I was afraid of the chihuahuas so much as it was I was afraid I was going to have to kick one if it bit me, and I yeah. didn't really want to kick a chihuahua. And chihuahuas are surprisingly, uh, I don't want to say mean, but they think they're a lot bigger than they are. Small dog syndrome. Yeah, yeah. They they. We used to have a chihuahua when I was growing up, and he would growl at the neighbors. Um, but it always sounded like he was saying, num, 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 num. That's the noise they make when they eat your face after you fall down dead. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you've been in the house for a week or two. Yeah. When they're going for the soft spots. Oh, yeah, they'll definitely eat you a lot. But isn't it like um, a cat will eat you first before a dog will eat you if you pass away. But like, that's what I've heard. I yeah. I've heard this before. I'm not sure how true it is, but when cats, like, they headbutt babies, I guess. Like, not, like, aggressively, but they just sort of, like, press their face to the babies. I don't know how true this is, but I heard from somewhere that that's them checking if the baby is still breathing. And if the baby isn't breathing, they will start eating it. Because cats love to steal babies' breath. I know that yeah, is a yeah. scientific fact. It's how they stay young for so long. Yes. That is a secret for them to be kids. That's why they look so, so young all the time. Um, oh, man. Yeah, the, uh, the, the small dog syndrome. Because um, we used to have a, a big, just a big, goofy German Shepherd... That would never hurt anyone. Never didn't care who came in the house. Wouldn't bark. Our German Shepherd that we have now is pretty neurotic. She's very anxious about everything. But I've never had a dog as aggressive as that Chihuahua that we had. And uh, my dad got it from one of his work friends, and we had to change its name because this guy had named the dog cocaine <laughs> because it was so hyper I, I don't know I would just shorten that to Coco and then when people ask oh what is Coco short for you have a great story to yeah, tell yeah. But yeah you know if you yell cocaine you never know who's gonna come running right yeah, exactly right? exactly yeah and back in the early 80s it would have been me <laughs> <laughs> it was um, we did end up naming him Kane 
because the TV show Kung Fu was uh, still very popular, or at least for how popular in, in my house. So it was a wise and introspective dog. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So he, uh, he, he, and then he kind of got the nickname Killer, and then that became his name more than, more okay. than Kane. He was Killer Kane. My, my neighbor has a uh, little black dog, and the name of the dog is Satchmo, which I find completely offensive. Oh, okay. I find it offensive uh, to Louis Armstrong. <laughs> does, the dog, <laughs> does the dog play the trumpet? Though? I don't, you know what? I don't know. <laughs> I might be rushing my judgment. It might. Uh... I feel like it would be a little bit less weird if it wasn't. If it was a different color dog, I feel like they may have picked that name specifically because of the dog's color, and that's a little. Eh. It's a little. It's offensive. Yeah. It's yeah. offensive. Well, if it was a bulldog, it would be all right because you would expect the bulldog to be able to play a trumpet. Because yeah, they have the. They have the, 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 the jowl. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A nice jowly trumpet playing bulldog. Yeah, and I will admit that I. Also, Satchmo um, just barks at me every time I walk up my stairs, so not a fan. Not a fan. Not a fan of, has it, how has it affected your, uh, your like of the music of Louis Armstrong? <laughs> you know what? Luckily, it hasn't affected, uh, oh, you, know, okay. I, uh, you know, put Take the A Train on, it still sounds great, so. <laughs> there you go. There you go, yeah. Yeah, I had a, uh, a collection of duets that he did with uh, Ella Fitzgerald. I don't think well, it was a no. Was it Ella Fitzgerald? Yes, it was. Um, yes, it was. That's a that's a great album. Yeah, yeah. But I, I'm surprised at the difference in. I don't want to say quality because they both have unique uh, things that are great about their voices. But the difference in approach, the difference. Okay, she was a much better singer than he was. Let's get, let's yeah. say that for sure. It would be like pairing David Lee Roth with uh, uh, Celine Dion, right? That could work. Yeah. <laughs> let's get them on the phone. I feel kind of bad the longer this conversation goes on because the only two things I know that Louis Armstrong ever did were La Vie en Rose and he also appeared in a song by Scatman John called Everybody Jam and that's my extent of the experience. No, with those are more obscure fact. I didn't know any of that. Yeah, you just yeah. you just beat me with that. Yeah, the, you beat me with the Chihuahua story. You beat <laughs> me with these obscure Louis Armstrong facts. I I knew yeah I knew uh, what a wonderful world. And, uh, and I, I did have one other album where it was just him. That was pretty good. And Wonderful World would have been like one of his most atypical songs because mm. you hear some of the old, old recordings. And uh, a lot of those old players used to record very blue songs, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, my older brother had this album called The X-Rated Blues, and I would sing a few of the, the lines from it, but it probably would get me arrested because my son's only 17. <laughs> okay. So it was actually X-rated. That wasn't just oh, a title. Oh, yeah. From the, it was from the 20s. It was, oh. Mm, oh. Yeah. 
Well, something that uh, a lot of people don't know is that until sometime in the 30s, there was no uh, real strong censorship. So a lot of stuff that we think, oh, they never would have done that in movies back then, was, uh, was I don't want to say it was common, because there still were... Uh, Un, unwritten rules and things like that. But see, uh, now you just need to call it an art film, yeah. and you can get away with anything. There's a uh, there's a um, movie that I used to own called The Big House, I think, or The Big Hotel. It was about a. Uh, it was very early sound movie, um, and very thin plot. Basically, they just had this magical machine that was basically a television. And so, like, all these people were coming and going from this hotel, and then they would just cut to concert footage of somebody, um, a lot of great people. And Cab Calloway is in it, and Cab Calloway sings a song about Reefer. Ah. So, yeah, so we went through, like, a cycle where we think, like, the past, oh, everybody was, was approved back then. And we've only just thought of all of these things, but really, it's been kind of yeah. it's been going on forever. Yeah, when they when they were singing about shortening bread, I mean that oh. we all know what that is, right? Crystal meth, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Whoa. I didn't know that. I've learned something today. Yeah. I wouldn't take that to the bank. <laughs> By the way, it uh, could have been just a yeah. public service announcement. If you are on meth. Uh, Wait till you're off meth to go to the dentist because the anesthesia will kill you. Oh, okay. I actually I had a I had a dental hygienist like as she's working on my mouth, like she talked nonstop, but she had really terrifying stories, and she was telling me like I couldn't respond in any way other than to grunt, but she was telling a story about. Um, a former patient that they had had who uh, they had to um, help identify his remains because his he was making meth and he blew himself up so she was oh, man she told me about uh, the request for dental records and how he blew himself up I've only lost one of the cleaning hooks in a patient once <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's interesting because you Stereotypically, the, the meth user, they have no teeth to be worked on after. So maybe he was one of those smart ones who just made it yeah, yeah. rather she than used it. But he did blow himself up, so, yeah, so it's kind of a wash. Is a relative term, yeah. She actually did have a lot to say about the state of his teeth, which were terrible. And his lie, he had some lie about... Like gargling with salt water, and that's why his teeth were so destroyed. But uh, she knew it was meth. Yeah. Oh. So that wouldn't do it. That's why. That's why sharks don't have bad teeth. Well, they also <laughs> grow them back every few months. This is also true. Yes. But, a but, shark could do meth, and you would never know. That's true. But a shark they, on meth would they, be the most dangerous predator. Yeah, but yeah. they already Jaws, made that movie. They, they already, they already don't sleep. Yeah, that would be. It could just like they could have a drug smuggling boat, and the shark comes and eats the boat, and then it's like, oh no, it's a super shark because he's on drugs. So wait, let's talk. Let's get back to kittens. Do kittens lose their teeth, 
Or do, do they just always have the same teeth? No, they grow new ones because yeah. I remember the kitten losing a tooth in, like, my hand. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Our, our, well, it broke off. Our puppy just lost a tooth, um, actually, in our bed. She doesn't sleep in the bed. Oh, okay. Us, but did she get a special little prize or something the next morning? No, we just we just uh, we, she was on the bed. We chased her off. We went by like 45 minutes later, and we're like, hey, I found a tooth on the bed. That sounds like the best opening to like a surreal thriller novel. I woke in a pile of puppies' teeth and peacock feathers. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. You can take that one. Yeah, that's a yeah. very David Lynch uh, type thing. I've never seen a dog lose teeth, actually, because we only ever buy really... Well, we don't buy. We, we adopt because... We're not crazy and yeah. evil. Not. I'm gonna stop there. Um, With the we, exception of that cat hunting. Uh, that was that, that was, was my dad, and it was that a different was time. reactionary. He okay? was in the circus. The, the cat grab. I was feeding the cat. The cat grabbed a hold of my. My hand with the scar on it ripped it open, and and my instinct was to fling, and the cat slid across the ice, and sucked. Cats don't like to swim, especially no. when it's cold. It was a but the it, cat came back. Okay, it was a no. fight or flight response. Absolutely. Both you were reacting as an animal to another aggressive animal. You made a move to free yourself from danger. The yeah. time that he punted the chihuahua, though, that was all pleasure, oh. no business. <laughs> Forty years later, I'm never gonna get out of it. Times have changed, you know. It's you know we've all done things in our past. That, uh, I love Chihuahuas today, especially the ones that chase my child. Okay. <laughs> I think there might be a little bit more to this for uh, Chihuahuas chasing your son. Were the Chihuahuas wearing leather jackets? No, that they. The weirdest part was they all looked the same and they didn't look malnourished. But all I could think of was like, oh yeah, feral chihuahuas are a problem in Arizona, or they were. So I just assumed the worst and went the other direction. Yeah, yeah. it was made more embarrassing because we had a set of neighbors who were like doing that thing where you stand outside at eight thirty after the sun goes down and you're just talking. Like one of you is leaning on a picket fence and you're talking. And they saw me run from Chihuahuas. Um, I, was, I support your decision. Thank you. I was never chased by Chihuahuas while jogging, but I did have um, a mentally unstable man on a bicycle follow me <laughs> while jogging, which was a little terrifying. Like, I would stop, and I would be like, hey, man, you know, I'm going to just rest. You can go ahead. He's like, oh, I'm cool. And he followed me. But I will say that that's the fastest I've ever jogged um, in my life. So if you want a good time jogging, get a crazy person to follow you. <laughs> you make that joke, but when I first started jogging, my dad would actually follow me on his bike in order to uh, offer like support because back when I first started jogging, I was still uh, very rotund and bad at it. So he oh, rode okay. alongside. Yeah. Make it all the way around the block, son. I'll give you that cookie. <laughs> that's some, that's nice. That's that's what dads should do. They yeah. should be supportive. I'm yeah. I'm on board. Um, I have a friend who was a track coach for a while, and uh, she instituted the policy of running with the kids because the previous track coach would get them all 
you know, in their jogging clothes and then get in his pickup truck and drive <laughs> drive behind them. I can see this gym coach now. <laughs> He's got like a vaguely Chechenian name and is always wearing an Adidas tracksuit even though he has never yeah. done sports. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty, That'd be a good character in a Wes Anderson movie. Yeah, yeah, he was uh, he was fond of wearing those. I, I don't even know the the brand. I just always think of them as coach shorts. And I think in his twenty some year teaching career, I don't think he ever once took attendance. <laughs> so. Yeah, I actually recently had a kid at my high school. The kid who won perfect attendance. Mm -hmm. um, she actually, after the ceremony where they handed out all these awards and stuff, she actually came over to me and we were chatting because we used to be friends. Um, mm -hmm. And she... Oh no, used to be. Well, used you missed be? too many days of school. It, it was more, I was in the same class as her and then we weren't in the same classes, so oh, we just kind of... Grew apart. Like, yeah, we, we chat, yeah, we went our separate she ways. She probably sent the chihuahuas. Probably, yeah. but she actually told me that she actually missed more days of school than anyone else in my engineering class, not engineering class, um, not my engineering class because I wasn't in it, but my physics class and her engineering class that we were both, that she was in my physics class, she also had an engineering class, but the engineering and physics teacher, she would like go up to him and say, hey, I have to leave early for X, Y, and Z. And he would just write that off as, oh, she's doing something for um, one of her, for like engineering class. She's doing something class related. So whatever, she's excused. So she didn't get perfect attendance so much as any of her absences were excused by her engineering She found teacher. a loophole. Oh, yeah. You've, ex you've exposed fraud in the Peoria Unified School District, son. Yep. We should write this all down and send a letter. And, and she knew you were going to tell on her because uh, it just so happens that the prize for perfect attendance is for chihuahuas. Now it, it seems yeah, to make sense. Yeah, it's all coming together. She sent those chihuahuas to keep you quiet. Yeah. But I would say that, like, to award uh, kids for perfect attendance, like, that's not a, a life skill that's practical as an, as an adult. Like... As an adult, you need to figure out the best ways to get out of working, in mm -hmm. my opinion. like <laughs> The ability to say, no, I can't come into work today because I really need a nap is one of the most important abilities that I know of. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Yeah, it's like hey, I need a mental health day. Oh, you're good. I used to work for the, <laughs> uh, for the corporation Xerox. I don't know if we can say that. Dun, dun, dun. But uh, one year, I won... A jacket for perfect attendance to give me a nice baseball jacket and I oh, wore it man. every year and then the following year I had children and I since that day I've never won a perfect attendance award since I had perfect attendance in the second grade <laughs> Mrs. Guffin's class and she could tell if you were she was one of those witch teachers that mm -hmm. she knew everything about everybody. You couldn't tell her a lie because she knew and she, you'd burn with shame. Which as in she was really mean or which as in she was magically inclined? She was magically inclined. Okay. She was okay. one of those really good ones. Oh, okay. Had some uh, supernatural supernatural abilities. And I think on the uh, subject of supernatural abilities, we're going to use those to take a little bit of a break right now. 
We'll be right back. Uh, we're officially back from break. Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah, we, uh, I think we'll probably go around the room and, and, uh, try to think of great kitten names. <laughs> Slagathor. That's a good, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, we have, uh, we have a dog named Lucy. So last year, actually probably a year and a half ago, when we got our cats, we were going to get uh, a female cat from one of uh, Gretchen's co-workers and uh, name it Ethel. So we would have Lucy and Ethel. And we got there and the person was like, look at these two and how great they get along. Aren't they the best sisters? They're going to be so sad to break them up. So we ended up with Ethel and question mark um, and didn't know what to, what to name the other the other cat. Um, we have a friend who has a cat named Fred, so we didn't want to do that. And we couldn't do Ricky because I'm Rick. Yeah. So we let our five-year-old or four at the time name uh, name the other cat. And oh boy. So her name is Tuna Fish. <laughs> hey, that's actually know, an awesome name. Yeah, that's a very good name. Yeah, letting a five-year-old girl pick a cat's name is brilliant. We did that with Taylor, and she promptly named the cat Pump. 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 Nice. Have no. It was Kitty Cat Pump. I have no idea why. All right. Um, it's an action word. I like it. Yeah. See. I see that's great, but when I decide when I said I wanted to name the uh, pit bull after a pun, he didn't like it. Cause like the second we went to go uh, adopt him, he already had a name. But whenever you said that name, he flinched, which is never a good sign. Yeah. So we need to rename him, and I immediately suggested Barkamedes. And no one was on board for it. Well, okay. And then I suggested Copernicus as a nod to Barkimedes, but no, that wasn't good either. So now we have a dog named Stove. Actually, his name is Steve, but after the appliance, Stove works as well. Okay. He's been calling him Stove for months ever since he saw a clip from Bridesmaids. Yeah, okay. Is it, what's the reference to Bridesmaids? There's a scene on an airplane where one of the drunk girls, um, she's told to take her seat by the flight attendant whose name is Steve, and she looks at his name tag, calls him Stove, and says, like, I don't have to listen to you. You're a kitchen appliance. For some reason, my daughter and I thought okay. that was hysterical. It's the only part of the movie I've ever seen. <laughs> but it's stuck. That's a good, yeah. yeah. No, um, that's great. I haven't walked out of many movies in my life, um, and this is a very unpopular thing when I tell people this, but I actually walked out of Bridesmaids. Wow. I, I didn't even get to the point when they were on the plane. I was just like, I don't know, I just felt like ladies should have been above the gross humor. Like, I like funny ladies, but I felt like the, that they were being gross in like a guy way. I just felt... I just felt like they let me down. But if I, it had been like Adam Sandler's movie, you probably would have walked out. That's true. This yeah. is true. This oh, okay. is true. Um, but yeah, um, at this time, I was like pursuing online dating. And like, 
you know, there's a, a someone I was like sending messages to, and I brought up that bridesmaid story, and she's like, she's like, oh, that's my favorite movie, and the, yeah. that was the end of our uh, courtship. That's too bad. Yeah. And I recently um, walked out of uh, the movie The Lobster. I I saw Never you heard I it. saw you post that on Twitter and I was actually kind of taken aback. Because, Which I feel like that uh, might be another unpopular thing, <laughs> but um, you know we all come from an improv background mm -hmm. and you know we've learned things about characters need to let up. Like you can't have two characters that are like unchanging. Like someone needs to change, and I'm just like watching these characters not change, and I'm like, I'm out of here. And I left about maybe halfway or two-thirds of the way through, but I'm... Okay. Weren't they supposed to turn into lobsters, though? Or? I don't know. I missed it. I hope that that yeah. was the ending. I hope the end... I hope the last shot was, like, the male character being eaten in a red lobster by someone who's, like, happy. But, um... <laughs> I did not like that film. So I think that's actually why the Tom Cruise movie Edge of Tomorrow rubbed me the wrong way. Because everyone that I know said it was a pretty okay movie, but looking back on it, I just didn't like it like at all. Just because it was the exact same character doing the exact same thing over and over, which I guess is maybe the point. But Wasn't that the movie where he had to die excruciatingly over and over and over? Yeah, I believe so. That's why I stayed. I, really, I wanted to see him. him. Oh, no. did I ever. <laughs> After he was mean to Brooke on TV, uh, I'm done with Tom yeah. Cruise I forever. Mean, it, it, you know, speaking of Tom Cruise, it's like, you know, imagine the movie Rain Man if Tom Cruise's character held on to being an asshole the whole time. Like, no, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be a good story. Like, the fact that he has this change, like, connects with people. I just felt like the lobster, like, I, they really hit you over the head. Like I get, I get like the, the the steaming pile of cynicism that that this is, and I'm just like I can't. I'm like I need to get out of here. Were you looking for some kind of redemption or just something to happen different? Yeah, I you know it's I wanted the characters to change and there to be some sort of like sweetness underneath the relationships, which. There is none. Also, you know, I will say that I am freshly out of a relationship, so maybe my mental state, I didn't want, like, an anvil of bitterness and despair, yeah. like, dropped on my head. Like, it's I a, wanted some light. It is a very bleak uh, view of <laughs> dating. I've never walked out of a movie, I don't think. Just to put that out there, just to mention that. Like, usually I'll do, you know... I used to be the same way, where it's like, I paid money, like, I'll be in this dark, air-conditioned room, but now I'm like, you know, I never used to quit books, I never used to quit movies, um, now I, you know, being a person who's no longer in his 20s, or, uh, I just don't have time for things that I don't like. I once read a book that it was the character in that was so despicable that I finished the book just because I had an idea they were going to kill her at the end. 
Yeah. She really deserved it because, I mean, it was just evil, evil, evil. Then I ripped the book in half and threw each piece into a different trash can so nobody else could ever read that book um, because wow. it should have never, ever been published. It wow. was... It was horrifying. Didn't you also stop reading Mercedes Man after the first twenty pages? Yeah, then I picked it up again, and that was a that was a mistake. Um, I can't read Stephen King anymore because he gets inside my head. I relive those, you know, it. Forget it, the clown. I'm. Yeah, they're, they're coming for me. I can, I, it's pretty scary. I can reference almost every one of Stephen King's books, but the only like actual writing I've ever read by him was Survivor Type, which was a very interesting story. Um, for those of you who may not know, a dude goes onto a deserted island. He's a surgeon. He's a oh, very I bad surgeon. Yeah. And he does a bunch of heroin and starts cutting off his own limbs and eating them. And yeah. that is the one Stephen King story I've ever read, and it's the only Stephen King story I ever plan on reading at this point. Stephen King once wrote a short story about a nightmare I had when I was seven. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, about well, the, the, the trees coming out and grabbing you out of the car. I had that nightmare before he was even oh. born, I think. Oh, man, I want you to watch The Happening. No. <laughs> No, I don't watch scary yeah, stuff yeah. or devil things. Yeah, I, I can't watch scary stuff I, anymore I, either. Like I support anyone's decision to not watch The Happening. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, there are certain bad movies that are just worth watching for the spectacle of how bad they are. Oh, okay. Like Tommy Wiseau's The Room uh -huh. is my favorite movie just because of how twisted and ridiculous like everything surrounding that movie is. And the fact that nobody actually knows where the hell Tommy Wiseau came from. <laughs> it just emerged. His mother. <laughs> you, right, you have to explain that to you again, No, son. no. Oh You're going God. off to college okay. soon. Okay. <laughs> but, like, he showed up out of nowhere, and apparently he bought all of the equipment for the movie, which even major studios don't do because they get outdated super quickly. He uh -huh. bought, like, a full lighting set, full camera, full sound equipment, and then grafted together an, a high-definition camera and a 35-millimeter camera, so both were filming at the same time because he didn't understand how film works. <laughs> I, yeah, and it, it just seems like no one has really outed that guy for who he really is, which I find super surprising. I think he's Tom Cruise in disguise. <laughs> he, he could be. He does have a, a connection to improv that I think is actually kind of kind of uh, touching, which is weird because Tommy Wiseau is a strange and distant figure. A bunch of people, after they worked on The Room, wrote yes. novels about it because it was a surreal experience. And apparently at one point, like the guy who played, I think, Mark in the movie, he wrote a novel, and he became really good friends with Tommy Wiseau. And at one point, Wiseau was like, hey, I'm taking an improv class. Can you pick me up from this improv class? And he told this guy, this actor, all these stories about how, oh, everyone likes me. Everyone thinks I'm super funny. And then in an almost Hollywood-esque scene, the first time he goes to pick up Tommy Wiseau, he like looks through the window of this improv class, and Tommy Wiseau is standing in the corner alone with no friends. <laughs> <laughs> and that was just like... That was old. I, I don't believe that that happened, and I can't, because that's just so Hollywood perfect to build sympathy for this strange and awful man. <laughs> oh, 
No one had his back, it sounds like. <laughs> That's kind of sad, sort it's of. It's hard. Yeah, wait, where was his group? What, what were they doing? It's hard yeah. to not be friends with improvisers, so I think either they were a group of really mean improvisers, or Tommy Wiseau really is yeah. just that hard to talk to. Yeah. <laughs> what if the improvisers own a herd of chihuahuas? I was oh going to say they God. were actually four chihuahuas in leather jackets. <laughs> that... Ah, a men Mar in black kind of yeah. scenario. Marvel at the interconnectedness I'm of the universe. To, yeah. I'm going to give this as homework to our listeners. Um, please tweet at us uh, pictures of chihuahuas in leather jackets. That will make me happy. <laughs> I want to see these. Uh, Marvel at the interconnectedness of the, uni the universe. Apparently, Wazo's explanation for where he got the multiple millions of dollars he needed to make the room uh -huh. was he imported leather jackets from Korea for chihuahuas <laughs> I hope I hope that's what he did yeah, yeah I mean when I think of leather jackets I think about Korea you know when I think about quality um... <laughs> yeah yeah because the mash oh. so, fam so famous for leather jackets and Fonzie and Oh yeah, that's it. Yeah. Sit on it. And, I love yeah. the I love the part. Where I, Fonzie I, I, I missed right? I missed that episode where Fonzie went to Korea. I love the part. Yeah, there, there was Fonzie and Mash. It was like uh, he was like a special guest. He elbowed. Oh, 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 that must have been one of them spinoffs, like when when Robin Williams was on Happy yeah, Days. Yeah, yeah, it was the same. And exactly. became Mork. Like okay. was a Mork one. Yeah. Do you not remember the scene where Fonzie elbows the guy in the chest to make his heart start pumping again? That's my favorite scene. And that, that character was Hawkeye. Yes. <laughs> and they were jumping over a shark while they did it. Yes. Yeah. The famous jumping the shark episode. The fact that that episode inspired the colloquialism jump the shark is still amazing. Because even if the show sharply went downhill from that point, they still made their mark on history. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like Band-Aid. Band-Aid apparently has struck gold with marketing because people call the things you put on your fingers Band-Aids, even though that's a brand name. But I think uh, they are like the anti-example now that uh, like if you don't protect your brand and it gets to that point, at some point the court's like, what are you going to do? It's, it's everybody's now. I'm sure that that was... Uh a touchy subject when you worked at Xerox. Yes. Which is a <laughs> verb, apparently. Yeah. What is their what is their status on Xerox being a verb and also a brand uh, name? Does it upset them? Um, I think it probably varies. I don't know, son. Google it. If someone ever says bing it to me, I immediately take it upon myself to never speak to them again. <laughs> yeah, I know. They, there is some level of like, well, I don't want you to say you're Xeroxing something on a cannon. But I think that's another one that kind of the ship has sailed a little bit. Like, like when you work at Xerox, they're like, you can, you can never use the term something being a carbon copy of something, you have to yeah. say, that's a Xerox. Yeah. yeah. A, <clears throat> we weren't allowed to call each other copycats or um, 
Oh, My, that's a stunning facsimile. Yeah, running the quickly, quickly running aground here. But I used to run um, these giant hundred thousand dollar production printers that would print like 180 pages a minute, and uh, that's all. <laughs> the ones that, the the ones that print books. Yeah, yeah. I actually saw a bookshop once that had a printer that would print novels, and you could just go to this like independent bookstore and be like, "Hey, I want to print my novel. Can I use your printer?" And they would just let you oh, use wow. an industrial yeah. printer. This one would do. Um, it could do like uh, tape binding, um, which is not exactly uh, a novel, but it did have. You could give covers and tabs and. Um, like the not saddle stitching it didn't do saddle stitching like a magazine but you could do like multiple staples to bind it that way uh, but the tape binding was my favorite I always liked tape binding things um, an activity enjoyed by by many yeah uh, tape binding we also <laughs> had one of the only uh, coil binding systems in the state when I worked for them so, yeah. This sounds like a glowing endorsement yeah. for working at Xerox. In the year 2003? Yeah. Okay. We're not being paid for this, I promise. Yeah. This is not a... Uh, not a they, they give you a jacket if you get uh, perfect attendance. Honestly, like... Was it, was, it a, was it a shiny jacket? It wasn't that shiny. Was it like? Was it a good jacket? Would it keep you? It was people? decent. Yeah, it was. It was like cool. I, I actually really like that. I would be a better person if people gave me a jacket for like community service and for like going down to the rec center and volunteering a hundred hours. If they gave me like a bomber jacket for that, that'd be great. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, uh, an untapped market to get volunteers. We'll give you a Letterman jacket if you work at the soup kitchen for three hours. And it is unfortunate that we don't have uh, Wednesday morning surf report jackets to, to give to all of our guests. Oh, that's true. As a, as a parting gift. But maybe someday. What the heck, guys? I know. <laughs> oh, no. We have stickers. Do wait, there's stickers? Wait, come back, you guys. Wait. I'm, I'm, oh, no. I'm sitting here sopping wet, covered in salt water, which is rotting my teeth. You guys aren't even going to warm me up and give me a coat? Oh, man. Uh, hanky? Yeah, sopping in salt water from the many uh, ocean uh, reservoirs that are in the landlocked state of Arizona. At least a pair of socks. And see what we can, we'll see what we can come up with. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh... I think that that's the end of our podcast uh, right now. We've we've explored many important things about kittens and uh, briny water. Yeah, yeah. Which kittens, it turns out, don't like. They hate it. But they float very well in uh, saline solution. So, yeah, typically at the end of the show, we like to give the guests some time to plug any upcoming projects or if you have uh, uh, websites that you'd like people to visit or things like that. So uh, what uh, what do you guys have going on or where can people find out more about you? Well, you could come to the neighborhood show at the Torch at 9 o'clock this Saturday. I'm going to be the monologist, I've been uh, told. Give them the oh, date. Nice. It's nice. Uh, July the 2nd. 
Okay. It's, it's, so it's I've been good. told. Uh, it's good and to John and I will also be doing a rehash of Cage Match. We are part of the team Salty Eyes. And we are actually, one of our team members is going to be on the other team as well. So either way, he gets to come back. But we may have to beat him up after the show. Oh. It's you also this Saturday it. night at 10. All right. So, yeah, we're, we're Torch Theater folk. And it's where we... St- where, study where and learn. Be found. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, for for the listeners, uh, we're all involved with the torch, and if you haven't gone to a show there, you should come on down. You might you might see one of us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't uh, have anything to plug personally, except for my YouTube channel. I have two videos on there, both of them monetized. Um, N H O J E M O N is the YouTube channel. Najimon. Um, very embarrassing name, but you know, if you want to come watch my video, I get like less than a cent per view. So, yeah. That's, yeah. Wow, that's a shameless plug. Okay. Yeah, that's the best kind. Uh, Jeff, what's uh, what's on the horizon for Jeff? Uh, nothing that important, but um, I've, I've been a little bit more active on Twitter lately, so. You can follow me there at Jay Cardello, J-C-A-R-D-E-L-L-O. Also, I'm pretty indiscriminate about who I add on Facebook. Add me on Facebook. Uh, I'm the Jeff Cardello that looks like an improviser. Uh, very easy <laughs> to pick out from the two other Jeff Cardellos. So uh, you'll figure it out. You're smart. It's One like the Innsmouth look, the improv look. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Rick, what do you have going on? Um, let's see, I have in the month of July, um, I will be doing um, the regular trifecta with Apollo 12 Ooh. on the, I believe it's the 11th or the 12th, whichever is the second Friday. No, it's the 8th. I'm crazy. I was thinking of June. Um, the 8th of July. At the end of July, on the 29th, we're actually taking it on the road, and we'll be performing at the Pack Theater in Los Angeles, California, uh, home of the ocean, and uh, that food truck where they make Korean tacos. And Californians. And Californians, yes, yes. Lots of vanity license plates in California, I have found. Statistically, it seems to be a higher percentage than other states. Um, And also, that weekend, I'm going to be doing Cage Match as uh, one half of a group called Restless Hearts. Cool, a lot lot of Cage Match going on. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Cage Match is a a fun show where two teams enter... And one is voted on by the audience who gets to survive to come back the following week. The losers are dropped into a pit of rusty razors. Yes. Never to be heard from again. And puppy teeth and peacock feathers. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very strange pit that they have. Strange yet terrifying. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks to our guests for coming out. Thanks to our listeners for listening. Thanks to Gangplank for uh, putting us up. Have a good uh, day slash evening, and enjoy the rest of your internet.